Tune in to Gallif Radio, a Whovian podcast, every other Friday on the Journey into Comics Network. The following, following is a journey into comics. A journey into comics. Is a journey into comics. Journey into comics. Network, Network. Network. production. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd. With your host, the Podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Showtime, a holes. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Journey into Comics. It's Journey into Comics 204. I am your host, Nate. Hope everybody's having a fantastic Monday. As it turns out, I am probably having a decent Monday. My hope is that I will get humongous news this Monday that will force me to edit this podcast. Uh, So I think it's very possible there's going to be some huge announcement Monday morning I'd say before 1 o'clock p.m. If you're listening to this on release day, hopefully before 1 o'clock central time p.m. The announcement hasn't yet happened, but I feel like there is a very large announcement going to be made tomorrow in the nerd community. Uh, I'm not going to further speculate because I don't want to put too many cards on the table, uh, but I feel like it's really huge good news. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to actually take you guys back. Um, to some of the things that have been up with me recently. Uh, Again, as you guys know, been working vigorously in the kitchen, trying to get it accomplished and done. In the midst of doing this kitchen, though, and I totally forgot this, actually, our dryer broke, and that fucking sucks. So, like, Veronica went to dry some clothes a couple Fridays ago and then, like, didn't work, and then, like, I just thought, oh, for whatever reason, it didn't dry her clothes right. You know, not thinking anything of it. So I went to dry some towels, and like after an hour, they were still soaked. And I was like, something is definitely not right with the dryer. So, you know, I troubleshoot the best I can, and I'm not really sure what's going on. We have a technician come out here, and he, uh, you know, he checks out the dryer, and he's like, "Uh, it's just a thermal fuse. Bop, 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 changes it, handles it, and our dryer's working. So that's kind of been like a little update on the kitchen. Nothing too crazy. I know you guys are like, I didn't come here for fucking kitchen news, Nate. Like, I came here for comic book news. I'm getting there, you know? There's just other shit in my life that's kind of been going on that I want to cue you guys in on. You guys might want to know what's up in my world. So to further catch up, like I've been telling you guys and I was talking about last week, Every Thursday, Veronica and myself have been doing this uh, karaoke at Twincade in Griffith. And this past Thursday was the finale. And let me tell you what, man, it was hard. Uh, We had, uh, let's see, myself and Veronica from Journey into Comics slash Walk Among Us um, were two of the judges. We had Larry Rozinko and Chris Plant, also from Journey into Comics Network, but uh, Larry and Chris are also in the band Get By. They were a set of judges. And then Andrew Reed from this podcast is Garbage, the number one Northwest Indiana podcast. Um, he was also one of the judges. So the five of us had the disgustingly impossible task of taking 13 competitors, cutting them down to six, then taking six competitors, hearing them do another song, cutting those down to three, and then from the three, having them do another song, and then picking just one winner. So how did that go? 
Uh, overall, it was a really fun, relaxing kind of night. We got there as early as we were supposed to get there, which was, I think, like 8.30-ish. Got ourselves a little drink, got hanging out. It's been really nice. Also, I want to mention, ever since Brews with Dudes joined the Journey into Comics Network, they release every Saturday, by the way, uh, ever since they joined the network, I've been kind of a beer enthusiast, like trying new beers every opportunity I get, and craft brews are... are I, kind of slowly become my thing that I like to just venture out into. I've learned that I'm very into stouts, and that's been kind of great. So we get to Twincade, and they had a pudding stout on the menu. Definitely tried the pudding stout. And actually, here's something that's been really interesting, and we'll just side-side tangent, and I really want the Brews with Dudes guys to go into, like, heavy detail on this app because I feel like they use it way more than me. Um, But there's an app called Untapped. Untapped is a thing where you can kind of like track what different beers you've been trying at different venues and what have you, and it like shows uh, the different kinds of, so I've tried eight different beers since I've had Untapped, seven unique beers. Um, Let's see, I can actually go to the list and see that I've tried the Toadstorm from New Oberfalls Brewing in Griffith, Uh, Brewer Reserve Bourbon Barrel Belgian Style Quad uh, from Central Waters Brewing. Big Bad Baptista from Epic Brewing Company. Gold Monkey from Victory Brewing Company. The Imperial Biscotti Chili Hazelnut Break, Evil Twin Brewing Company. Hunter Vanilla from 18th Street Brewing Company. And the Kentucky Breakfast Out from Founders Brewing. However, it's really interesting. My, um, maybe, maybe, <laughs> well, that's kind of fucked up. The uh, the beer that I tried the other night is did not show up on here. So maybe, for some really strange reason... It did not get checked in. So I'm going to check that shiz in now. Bam. Going to check it in. Checked it in. Boom. Sky's the limit. You don't always intend to go for beers for double-digit ABV, but when you do, you make it count. Cheers to you. Be careful. 10% and up. Can really pack a punch. That's five different beers with ABV of 10 and up. Try five more for level two. So you get badges in this too. Heavyweight. Porters and stouts are rich with both history and flavor. Roasty, dark, and delicious. These two styles help start it all. That's five different beers with the style of porter or stout. Try five more to unlock level two. So you get little cool little fucking things like that. It's been really, it's really cool. I also, I and it's not up there. The and At Twin Kate, I tried another beer, which I thought I had had before, but I don't think it... Ever got checked in either. Uh, Son of Baptista. Hopefully. It's not there anymore. No. Son of a Baptista. I think is what it's called. Yeah. By Groundswell. Or by uh, Epic Brewing Company. Check that shiz in. And uh, now that I've done that live on the podcast. I just. Oh, cool. I got uh, a, th- a verified venue untapped thing that's cool so anyways back to it so we went there and i had two two or three different beers and we judged and it was hard it was very difficult uh we had a lot of really great competitors do a wide array of songs uh judging was extraordinarily difficult hearing these people give it their all give it their heart and soul and then have to be like well it was really good however it wasn't perfect. Here's something I missed. Here's something that was a little pitchy. Here's some emotion you didn't put into it or whatever because we had to really genuinely heart and soul critique this to be as honest as we could with our opinion, the five of us, who deserves to go on and take a $1,000 grand fucking prize. We're literally, at the end of this, going to give somebody a $1,000, you know? 
And we got it down to six. And no surprise, there were two brothers, Justin B. Ray. He uh, was on American Idol. And uh, Jeremiah Johnson, that's his brother. They both were in the in the final six. And uh, Jeremiah went, or Jer- uh, Justin went first. And honestly, maybe that hurt him a little bit. Because just because he went first, we couldn't give him all fives. And it was great, but it wasn't perfect. I mean, there were some flawed spots. So by the time his brother got to the end, we were ready to see a five-star performance. And then his brother just belts out this amazing shit, just like brings it to the next level. Uh, We had a wide array of competition. uh, But not only that, we had a lot of people who were picking very interesting songs. One dude did like a seven-minute Disney interlude of medley of Disney songs mixed with uh, You Ain't Never Had a Friend Like Me from Aladdin. Like, it was very good, very good, very good, but it wasn't uh, the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, this lady did uh, a song from the Adams Family musical, which was really hilarious and also great all at once. It's just it was it's been a lot of fun, you know. Genuinely, it has been so much fun uh, going down and being a part of that event and judging people on their karaoke skills. Now, here's one thing. I will say that I'm not the kind of guy that goes up, says, hey, I'm going to judge a competition and then never fucking perform so no one can see what I can do. Like, I don't want to be an asshole like that. I'm going to obviously get up on stage, do something so people can go, oh, that's why he has any opinion on music whatsoever. Like, I'm not saying I'm great, but I can still perform and, and put on a decent, at least I think, performance. So we are at the epic conclusion of the Twin Cade karaoke contest, the first annual and I uh, I decided when some time needed to be killed that I was going to do Forgot About Dre by Dr. Dre and Eminem, as I had said I was going to do a couple weeks ago. But I didn't get an opportunity to do it because, like I said last week, Larry intercepted me, and we decided to do Let Her Cry by Hooting the Blowfish. So it's time, man. I'm doing it. I'm going to do Forgot About Dre in front of like a bar of 200 and some odd people. It was fucking packed, Okay. And uh, I, you know, did the whole entire thing. Larry actually came up and joined me and did the hook, the nowadays everybody want to talk like they got something to say type bit. And he he just did that. But then I did like the actual like main parts of the song. It was a lot of fun. It was great. Uh, Ultimately, at the end of the night, it came down to Jessica, Jeremiah and Lauren, not Lauren from Foodies Watching Movies, who was in attendance buying a big ass pretzel. This fucking pretzel from Twin Cades, like $16, comes with three different delicious dipping sauces of doom. Uh, yeah, you guys should check that shit out. Also, they've got, like, awesome arcades, and I love I love uh, arcading it up, as it were. Playing pinball. Bam, 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 pinball. It's a lot of fun. So, I've been doing that. I've uh, been getting kind of locked into band rehearsal. We've got some shows coming up uh, August 18th in conjunction with the Doom Room and Brews with Dudes down in Lafayette, Indiana. We will be a part of the second annual variety show that the Doom Room is putting on with Zephaniah, Bizarre Noir, uh, E. Ross, A. Ross. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm saying that right. Patrick Murray, Ember's Exotic Experience, like uh, Bell's Brewing Tap Takeover, which is bitchin'. Uh, wanted to try some Bell's when I was at Twin Cade, but I don't think they had any on tap that night. So I wanted to wait. Maybe I'll try some when we are at the show this next week, or actually this very fucking Saturday. If you're listening on release day on Monday, by Saturday the show will have happened. Uh, speaking of things that are going to be happening, I should also mention on Friday, every other Friday right here on the Journey into Comics Network, debuting this Friday. Do not miss it. Set it up in your calendar. 
Gallifradio, a Whovian podcast, Veronica, Sarah, Lauren, and myself talking Doctor Who. It's a great first conversation. We've got big plans for that show. They have big plans for the show. I'm just along for the ride because I love Doctor Who so much. Uh, so you guys can check that out every other Thursday or every other Friday on the Journey into Comics Network. Uh, so we've been doing stuff like that. And actually, here's another dope thing to talk about and uh, discuss and break down and get into. Uh, we've been watching a show on Hulu, and I'm going to highly encourage everyone to watch this show. Uh, even if I were to sit here and try to fully flesh out and explain to you what the fuck is going on in the show, I genuinely could probably not do a very good job. The show is on Hulu. It's called Castle Rock. Now, Castle Rock is about the Shawshank prison. Uh, there's some things that are afoot in the prison. There's a very mysterious suicide that kicks off the whole show. There's a very strange set of circumstances involving an unnamed man, a gentleman whose name is Henry Deaver, and a fucked up town of Castle Rock where weird things keep happening. And it's a Stephen King-based thing where he took a lot of different like short stories and amalgamations and things he had been working on and put it into one concentrated idea to kind of make a super story that's this thing that they're releasing on Hulu. It's really, really fucked up. It's really dark. It's very suspenseful. The horror is not too horror. The creepiness is over-the-top creepy. Uh, the story leaves you salivating. By the time you're done with the first episode, you're just like, I want... All of the episodes. Right now, there are only five out on uh, Hulu, so you can't, you know, binge the entire series. But uh, it's been nice so far getting into this show that's kind of different than what I'm typically into. Typically, I watch a lot of superhero stuff. So when it's this kind of like really suspense, uh, thought provoking, uh, thought provoking, I had to repeat that for some reason. I don't know. But it forces me out of my bubble of like happiness and superheroes and interesting stories in that regard. And it's really, really visceral and really makes me think and really gets my gears turning and going and, and, and whatnot. But uh, you know what I think? We're going to go ahead and move ourselves out of this. We're done flippity-flopping around. I don't really know if I have any like other interesting things that have happened to me this weekend or this past week other than like the karaoke thing and uh we did uh, oh fuck yeah forgot so we went to the another symphony because they've been doing the free symphonies sarah's been doing work for the symphony uh it's been really fun to like interact with kirk muspratt and ben nadal from the northwest indiana symphony and it's been pretty cool to just like we hang out and they wait to talk to us, which I don't know really what that's about, but it's been really cool. Genuinely. Like I'm like, Oh hell yeah, that's awesome. So we went Friday night and our backyard, not literally, but in Hammond and man, it was, it was great. It was the same concert we had already seen. So it was like, I already knew what was being played or whatnot, but just to be under the stars, middle of night, hanging out, you know, looking up into the night sky, listening to this amazing symphony play these different beautiful pieces of music from my history and my life and from the history of the world and whatnot. So it was a lot of fun. And they're actually doing a space-themed finale for the next symphony season. So next May, when they're wrapping up, they're going to do a space-themed thing in honor of us going to the moon Uh. 50 years ago. That's crazy. 
50 years ago next year, we will have gone to the moon, and they're going to be doing, like, space theme. They're going to do some Star Wars music. They're going to do some, like, uh, different extraterrestrial-type songs and holts. Uh, the planets is going to be performed, and a lot of different things in that vein that are going to be really, like, moving and space-powerful and whatnot. Uh, I think, the, what is it, Ant, uh, Copeland, they're doing a Copeland bit at the end where while the symphony is playing this like 30 minute thing that Copeland wrote, they're going to be also like showing actual footage from the day that we landed on the moon for the first time and like stuff that's, you know, kind of forgotten about because history, uh, you know, it's not like every single day of the week we're talking about when we went to the moon in 1969, like that doesn't really happen anymore. So... Anyways, let's go ahead and just go straight to the fucking stars, huh? Star Wars news here again. Now, we've got another set photo that is dropped from Dan Mendel from London, England. Space lights, unbeatable quality source of ambient lighting, 6,000 watts, six lamps, or 3,000 watts, three lamps. Uh, and it's just this big set. There's a lot of, like, interesting structures and a humongous tons of these lights above them and a bunch of green screen. And it's really, I mean, it's really kind of cool. Uh, I, you know, obviously there's nothing you can really extract from the picture and, you know, oh, my God, what's going to happen? But there is a reason that I wanted to bring up the Star Wars thing. It's cool that the new set photo has released, right? Because with a set photo releasing, gets more hype. Episode 9, we're right around the corner, right around the corner, 2019, not that far away, 2019, right around the corner, we're going to have more Star Wars in like a little over a year, right? And that's exciting. Uh, but we have other Star Wars coming, and this is one thing I'm really excited about. Uh, director John Favreau's Star Wars series has kind of been possibly, I don't know if it's officially for real, but according to Making Star Wars, the new live-action John Favreau series is going to be very, very ambitious. They are m m reportedly uh, putting the series taking place three years after the destruction of the second Death Star and the death of the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. The series would be on Mandalore, falling into a state of turmoil, with many parties working to restore the planet to its rightful place, and with those effects reverberating across the galaxy. Uh, so last time we saw this planet was obviously in Star Wars Rebels when Sabine Wren uh, helped her family win a civil war, win a civil war and restore order to the planet by securing the dark saber. But the conflicts from Clone Wars still had not ended. So impressive spot in the series because it, it's going to fill in the gap between uh, Return of the Jedi and the Force Awakens. What happened in that time? Mandalore's evolution as a planet and the changing of the guard from the galactic empire's rule falling. And then what happens? How does the, maybe this is where we will learn about the rise of Snoke. Who knows? But John Favreau wanted to say, uh, well, actually here's a two part thing. Kathleen Kennedy, the Lucasfilms president says, I could not be more excited about John coming on board to produce and write for the new direct to consumer platform. That's because it's going to be on the Disney exclusive uh, app. John brings the perfect mix of producing and writing talent combined with the fluency in the Star Wars universe. This series will allow John the chance to work with a diverse group of writers, directors, and give Lucasfilm the opportunity to build a robust talent base. Favreau added, If you told me at 11 years old that I would be getting to tell stories in the Star Wars universe, I wouldn't have believed you. I can't wait to embark upon this exciting adventure. Um, rumored to be produ start production here in about two months in October. So... Uh, yeah, really with Star Wars stuff, and I think I touched on it last week, I really am a humongous fan of the series as a whole, and I just cannot wait for what's coming next. 
So it, with me, the Star Wars hype is kind of never-ending because anytime there's any Star Wars news, it's like, fuck yeah, there's more Star Wars news. I'm so excited. Solo, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rogue One, uh, Episode Nine, Boba Fett, whatever the fuck they're going to do, you know. Um, so it's, you know, I'm just, I'm just really looking forward to whatever comes out of the Star Wars universe, you know. Um, but anyways, I digress on the Star Wars universe. We'll talk about that again a little bit later here. We do want to jump over to another thing that's been kind of going on because this is something we've not covered for several weeks. Uh, there's been kind of ups and downs. Recently, it was announced that Chris Hardwick would be returning to Talking Dead. That return happened last night. I would be remiss if I did not discuss it. A teary-eyed Chris Hardwick thanked Talking Dead guests and viewers during his return to Talking Dead, saying, Normally I would I recap the show we're talking about here, but instead I really want to take a minute to say I am so appreciative to be standing here right now. And I want to thank you, the Walking Dead community, for all your support these last couple of months. This show is not just not a job to me. This is a vital part of my life. This has been a sanctuary these last seven years we've been here. This has been with me through good times and bad times, and I have so much gratitude to you, the fans, and the producers, and the amazing cast of both these shows for allowing me to come here and be a part of this community every week. This is what this is. This is a community, and we're on uh, the precipice of a lot of change on both The Walking Dead shows in the coming weeks and months. And I'm so looking forward on going on that journey with you. I've said the following words a million times, countless times, and I have never been more thankful than I am in this very moment to say to you that I am Chris Hardwick, and this is Talking Dead. Uh, then he turned to Yvette Nicole Brown, uh, who replaced him at SDCC and temporarily replaced him as the Talking Dead host, and he said, oh my God, I'm sorry. First of all, before we start this, I just, I just want to thank everyone for being here, but I just have to say to Yvette Nicole Brown that you are such an amazing friend. You are a gift on this planet, and you stepped in and did amazing jobs at the Comic-Con panels and last week on the preview special, and I, I just have so much appreciation for you. You are so much a part of this family, and I was honored to have you sit in. You are my true friend, and I just love you so much. And again, he stated one last time that he was just really so grateful for being there. Man, it's hardcore because, like, Chloe Dykstra said in a tweet, she would not have said the things she said in her essay if she didn't have proof to back up all of the claims that she said. And that an individual investigation from a television network did not, uh, I guess, amount to a actual investigation by the police. So her, she's kind of saying, uh, you know, this is maybe far from over. But as of right now, Chris Hardwick returning to Talking Dead, it's kind of huge. It's pretty excellent. Uh, like I said, he has been kind of a role model for me. So it was hard to see him going through all of that crazy, crazy jargon. Uh, so that is it for Journey into Comics. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's not it, folks. So you guys think that we're all hinged on all this, like, regular-ass news, right? And there is some other news we can discuss. I mean, uh, Marvel did, in fact, announce Uncanny Disassembled is happening. Uh, oh, uh, there is actually kind of a lot of other comic book news we're going to cover. But we're also, not only are we going to cover some of that comic book news today, we're also going to be covering, are you guys ready for it? Because I am. We are going to be covering some comics that I have recently read right? And that's exciting because, man, there has been some really interesting comics that have been coming out recently, and I've been kind of doing a shit-tastic job on Journey into Comics covering the comic book news. 
so I've got a couple articles in the world of comic books for you guys, okay? And uh, I am going to be, oh, and we're definitely going to be talking about that too. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this first. I don't know if you guys even know who the fuck this is uh, as that little thing starts playing for some reason. Anyways, there is a comic book creator who is a legend in the game, and you probably know him not even from his comic books necessarily, but from a television show he did on Nickelodeon in the early aughts called Invader Zim. Jonan Vasquez has possibly teased the return of his comic, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Uh, Jonan Vasquez, creator of Invader Zim, had his fans abuzz with the potential for a return of his original comic book creation, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Speculation began with a single tweet from Vasquez, which he shared an animated gif of what appears to be Johnny C's pixelated silhouette. Murder comes in a handful of pixels, Vasquez wrote. The tweet is now pinned to the top of his Twitter Twitter profile. Take a look below. As this says, take a look below. I'm looking at it, and it's just like kind of Johnny's cape and hair blowing in the wind. While this is hardly a confirmation anything further uh, that anything further is in the works and it's entirely possible that Vasquez was just having a bit of fun with his old creation, JTHM has a fervent cult following, a fervent cult following that would be eager for the character's return. Uh, Johnny first appeared as a black comedy in 1990 in a goth magazine, Carpe Noctum. And was later published by Slave Labor Graphics from 95 to 97 as a seven-issue black-and-white limited series. The series was then collected into a trade form called Johnny the Homicidal Maniac Director's Cut. Uh, if you don't know, Johnny follows Johnny C. as he tries to understand his compulsion to murder, looking towards both the psychological and supernatural for explanation. The comic is seen as an outlet with which readers and the writer can indulge their darker impulses. Obviously, uh, Johnny led to two spinoff comics, Squee, uh, and uh, also Squee's Wonderful Big Giant Book. I Feel Sick was another one that he did. Uh, obviously, part of Invader Zim. John Vasquez is a crazy, weird individual I've always wanted to meet. I've never actually had the opportunity to meet him or even see him. He doesn't really do public appearances at all. <clears throat> so, to continue back to that thing I teased a few minutes ago, yes, it is a true... Yesterday, Marvel, or the, oh, yesterday, oh, well, I guess actually two days ago, I got him, it's time travel, folks, see, that's the other thing, time travel fucks me up sometimes, I forget that it's Monday when I'm talking to you, and it's Sunday, but it's Monday right now, it's brain fuck, I know, yeah, today, um, okay, on Saturday, Marvel Comics announced the return of Uncanny X-Men with a 10-part weekly series that promises to disassemble the X-Men. The announcement came with a teaser featuring a large group of mutants, most of which are current members of X-Men team, and some who are not. Here we're Okay, so we're going to try to see who we can see in this thing. So, from left to right, upper quarter, we've got like uh, Sunfire, Firestar, Iceman, Nightcrawler, Banshee, who only recently has returned to the X-Men, Pixie, and Archangel. In the left quarter, from top to bottom, we've got Prestige... Uh, Glob Herman, Surge, Prodigy, Shatterstar, Shark Girl, Armor, Husk, Eye Boy, Rock Slide, Nature Girl, Wolfsbane, Bishop, Multiple Man, Gentle, Domino, Beast, uh, Jubilee, Storm, uh, X-23, 
Gambit, Rogue, and Honey Badger. And the bottom is Jean Grey and Kitty Pride. The right quarter is Cannonball, Polaris, North Star, Sunspot, uh, Anol, Mercury, Cypher. Let's see, we got Colossus, Magma, Forge, Dust. Warpath, Havoc, Magic, Dazzler, and Psylocke. And lastly, there are... Oh, okay, actually, interesting to note, though, there are some people that are missing. Old Man Logan's not on there. Wolverine is not on there, but probably going to be a part of this in some form. Emma Frost is not on there. Magneto is not on there. Cable is not on there. Uh, Professor X or uh, X, the mind of Professor X, resurrected in the body of Phantom X, is not in the teaser. Most of Weapon X-Force, with the exception of Domino, is missing. Sabretooth, Omega Red, Lady Deathstrike, and Mystique are all absent. Um, man, it's Cyclops is not on there, but it's it's interesting. The, uh, the teaser says, No one survives the experience. Written by Ed Brisson, Kelly Thompson, Matthew Rosenberg. Lots of people are a part of this. Uh, man humongous group of people disassembling of the X-Men. Who knows what's going to happen there? I don't. Uh, and actually, Marvel has also recently revealed in the hunt for Wolverine Adamantium Agenda number four. Uh, let's see. There's a big reveal here. According to Stark, it is known knowledge that Stark has that someone that is in the X-Men has been genetically modified to appear to be a mutant but we don't know who it is. So they've kind of left it as this big <gasps> cliffhanging teaser. Who is it going to be? I'm not sure. I'm not sure who they'll announce it is. Uh, but uh, we're going to get into some other news and some other stuff because there have been some great comic books that have actually been coming out recently. I've been reading them. I don't really know what order I'm going to go in, but I think we'll talk about, well... Let's talk about the return of the first family. How about that? That sounds like a great plan. So, this past week, first of all, let's mention that Fantastic Four number one dropped. And before the issue actually started, there was a beautiful tribute to Steve Ditko. Legendary artist and creator Steve Ditko built an incredible legacy of work that changed the comic book industry forever. Ditko joined the House of Ideas in 1958, and through the following years, within and outside of Marvel, he breathed life into characters that inspired fans across the globe with dynamic visuals and iconic traits, including superheroes such as Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Speedball, Squirrel Girl, and many more. Ditko's design shaped the Marvel Universe and the world of comics. He continued to bring his unparalleled vision to life through his works across the industry for decades. His characters touched the hearts of fans everywhere, and the influence of his art will live in comic books for ages to come. Thank you, Steve. Beautiful tribute words there. So, we get into the Fantastic Four book. There is, uh, you know, there's essentially three stories in here now. Uh, right now, there are only two members of the Fantastic Four that actually exist uh, on Earth. That's Ben, Grimm the Thing, and Johnny Storm, the Human Torch. The Fantastic Four prologue reads this. A brilliant scientist and his best friend, the woman he loved, and a fiery-tempered kid brother. Together they braved the unknown terrors of outer space and were changed by cosmic rays into something more than merely human. They became the Fantastic Four, but were separated by tragedy. The world believes that Stu, that, that Stu, that Reed and Sue Richards, along with the Future Foundation, 
sacrificed themselves to stop a universal catastrophe. Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing, also believes them to be dead. But Johnny Storm hasn't given up hope that the rest of his family is out there somewhere. So this issue is pretty much uh, Ben Grimm living his life with Alicia, I think. Yeah, it's Alicia. Alicia? Alicia. Masters, I think. Uh and she's a blind lady. She's trying to get these cats. And Ben's like, come on, we don't need a bunch of furballs running around. Johnny's just partying. While they're both hanging out and partying, uh, boom, uh, On in the sky is uh, in fire. Fantastic Four. And they, you know, Ben's like, oh, this isn't really it. This is a false alarm. But Johnny's like, oh, my God, I know it. It's them. I'm going to go get them now. He shows up there. But it's just some kids. They were fucking around with a flare gun, uh, with the Fantastic Four flare gun or whatever, and they stole it or whatnot. And uh, all this time, Alicia's talking about like, "Look, your family's coming back," and and Ben's like, "No, they're they're gone forever," you know. And the news starts reporting that the Fantastic Four are gone forever. Well, not not gone forever, but that that you know, uh, interesting timing to think that they're returning because actually they're not going to return, and it's just right around the time that it's been the anniversary from their historic flight where they got their powers to begin with. So, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting because Jennifer Walters, she plays She-Hulk, uh, start, decides well, she doesn't decide. Ben hires her to represent the kids that uh, get the flare gun, and uh, he actually goes to this dude on Yancey Street who has some relics from different superhero stuff. And it's he's got the uh, distress signal flare that's the Fantastic Four that's missing, so the kids broke into his place to get it. But there's this cube that Ben has, and uh, he opens it and kind of goes and visualizes this tale of, uh, of when the Fantastic Four were out in space with this creature... Uh, what was the creature's name again? Oh, Astronomica. And Astronomica is essentially saying that there are two paths to get home. One will leave you stranded forever, billions of light years away, but the other one will guarantee your safety home. Uh, but the, only the worthy one can make the right choice. Well, so they're like, what's the scientific way to determine who's worthy and whatnot? And she's like, oh, it's the best singer. And everybody except for Stu says Johnny. Everybody, I mean, literally every single other person that's there says Johnny. Grimm says it. Reed says it. The Future Foundation says it. Johnny says it. But Sue says it's her. So they're like, look, 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 look. Sue, you can sing great and all, but Johnny has magnificent pipes. And if this is going to be for the saving of our people, we have to use him. And he sings them back and... Uh, Ben kind of comes to the decision that he needs to utilize whatever was in this box uh, for something major. And he goes to Alicia, and he gets down on one knee, and he asks Alicia Masters, will you marry me? And she, of course, says yes. Ben invites Johnny to, like, a luncheon, essentially, to be like, hey, we're engaged, and this has happened. Uh, will you be the best man? And Johnny freaks out and is like, no. There's only one person in the whole world who should be the best man at Benjamin J. Grimm's wedding, and that's Reed Richards. So Johnny is really upset, and he flies up into the sky, and he says, uh, "He, you know, he says, I'm not taking this anymore. You hear me? Do you, Reed? You're the smartest man in the universe. I know you're out there, and I know you got to have some way to see me, to hear me, and you're smart enough to figure out a way to show me a sign. So do it. Show me a damn sign. 
And Johnny comes down, he's got tears just running out of his eyes, and Ben and Alicia kind of hug him, and he comes to the realization they're really gone. And just when you see that, boom, all of a sudden we get a little bit of Reed Richards. What is this? And Sue, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, there's a giant four in the sky. So as we know with the uh, with Marvel, they kind of like put a lot of different like stories. So that's like the major storyline of the Fantastic Four returning, and they've sent Reed has sent the signal to Johnny and Ben. And in the hugging moment, uh, Johnny says it's about damn time there at the end. Uh, then we get to jump over to Latveria, where there are a lot of Doombots, and they are protecting Latveria. But there's this lady, and her name is Zora. Vukovich, proud daughter of Doomstad. She's essentially come to, you know, show Doom that he needs to rise up and come back. And he does. And it's badass. He's like, he kills all the Doom bots. He's like, this is our day of Doom and victory. Um, he Doom's final thing says, I require no robots, no armor, no one fighting by my side. What I need, what Latveria needs is to bear witness. Watch me free them all from this tyranny by the strength of my will and by my hand alone. Ugh. And then, of course, here's really the cool thing. There's a what the pop. And it's the very end of the book. There's a green-headed creature, and he says, what the pop? I waited this long for a new FF, and they're not even back yet? How hard is it to do a new number one and get all four of them back together? Yeah, what are you, Marvel? Stupid or something? Yeah. Special delivery for Mr. Impossible Man. Huh. Who'd even know I was in this panel? Dear Impy, please be informed the Fantastic Four will be back together in next month's issue. Your, uh, Yours, Marvel Comics, XOXO Excelsior. Oh, okay, then. That's not so bad. I mean, I've waited this long. One more month won't kill me. But know this. I'll be watching you, Marvel. Watching you! Oh, man, the Fantastic Four return. That's great. Uh, it was awesome to read that because it gave me hope for the launching point of Fantastic Four now. Like, we're to a point here where the Fantastic Four have kind of been banished from the land, as it were. You know, Marvel doesn't have the movie rights. They don't really want to make merchandise off of the Fantastic Four because then you kind of fall in this trap where some of your money is end up going into the pockets of Fox. Disney has now bought Fox. Disney has cinched up, and I think they've had maybe plans for this book for a little bit of time, and they kind of have known they were always working towards this resolve that they would eventually get the Fantastic Four back. And it's really awesome to see that they do, uh, or they are on the fast track to get the Fantastic Four back because they're Marvel's first family. And to get them to return, to get that big F in the sky, to get that big number four in the sky, you know... Uh, to have that team come back into the Marvel Universe, you can start doing Illuminati storylines again, get Spider-Man involved with the Fantastic Four some more, bring Namor in. There are a lot of different things they can do with the Fantastic Four being back in the fray. Now, speaking of amazing Spider-Man, uh, I, I talked about and read in and discussed issues issue one of uh, this new Spider-Man series by Nick Spencer, Ryan Otley, Cliff Rathburn, and uh, Laura Martin. So Cliff Rath Rathburn, by the way, from 
uh, The Walking Dead. Ryan Otley has done some covers for The Walking Dead. He was also the artist for Invisible, or Invincible, not Invisible, Invincible. So this Amazing Spider-Man story is back to Peter. Duality between being Spidey and Parker. He is back in the arms of MJ. Everything is good. He is also kind of not in a great situation because he fucked up and he got his... Uh, his position revoked because they found out that he actually uh, forged uh, his final paper to graduate, but it wasn't really that he forged it. It was that Doc Ock was him, but this technology that they have to prove whether or not somebody forged something seems to show that Doc Ock wrote it and not Parker because it was not Parker of his right mind. So his repentance is that he has to go be with Kirk Connors and this class and Kirk is the lizard, uh, so he's like all big and crazy looking, and Pete's freaked out, and he's like, look, Pete, we're, we're actually, we've got this inhibitor in the back of my neck, and I'm trying to just get right, uh, you know, you, you have to understand that I need a second chance, you need a second chance, let's talk in secret, uh, it's interesting because uh, the, there's this these two janitors, and they're talking, and then they change into Taskmaster and Black Ant, and they're going to, essentially, they're trying to attack to get the, uh, what is it called? Uh, the, I can I can see it, I can see what they called it, but, oh, the isotope genome accelerator uh, appears, and that's the thing that essentially gave Spidey his initial powers uh, that created the radioactive spider. So the new isotope genome accelerator essentially can split people so it could split Kirk Connors from himself to be partly the lizard and then partly Kirk Connors but there would just be like a separation one would be one one would be the other there would not be any mutation so Taskmaster and Black Ant show up and Parker's kind of screwed because he's like I I can't there's no windows to escape to become Spider-Man I can't save the day I can't do anything and it would be super nice if Kirk Connors could be a villain, but guess what? The inhibitor does not allow him to attack anyone. So as soon as he goes to attack somebody, he gets rendered incapacitated. So Peter, being Peter, just uh, annoys Taskmaster until he throws him, and he uses some scienciness to create a distraction. Amidst creating the distraction, Spidey's whipping ass and beating everybody up and making Taskmaster and Black Ant smash faces together. And then he goes, and Spider-Man helps Peter Parker up. And then we move on to the very next issue, folks, which I read immediately after. It was super interesting to read this, and we're going to talk about like kind of the, the fallout of this book because there's a lot to talk about. So, and also, I want to mention that there's been like this little like subtext story with the, the this animal in. Uh, like, I don't know if it's the Outback or if it's in the African deserts or whatever in the safari, but um, there have been these things about this elephant getting killed by the, this dude shooting a gun and he's like a poacher or whatever. And his guard gets a knife thrown through him. So I'm thinking probably Craven is coming, which is a pretty po cool possibility. Uh, Parker, in the next issue, it's kind of cool because he's talking about how he doesn't have to live a dual life anymore. It's really strange that he can just be Peter Parker. He's a little bit dumber and not as brilliant because, and we'll talk about this 
kind of now. Uh, they re they bring the Tri Sentinel back for Spidey to fight. So Spider Man, just Spider Man, who's not Peter Parker, uh, goes and fights him, and and it's you know silly and good and whatnot. And they kind of try to figure out if there's any difference between Spider Man and Parker. They're doing tests with each other, and they kind of realize they're the same. But they you know maybe there could be more bad stuff. And actually, we do learn in this book. Uh, using the Horatio rat, Connors says, okay, check out Horatio. He's in this maze. He can run around and do all these things, but when we split him with the uh, isotope uh, genome thing, fucking whatever it's called, I'm so bad with this stuff sometimes. I could literally just have said it, and I'm not going to remember what the fuck it was called. So, uh, anyways, they uh, Horatio gets split into two. Here's the thing, though. Horatio 1 is not a pro at the maze, but Horatio 2 is. So essentially, uh, you're kind of learning that Spider-Man and Parker are two separate entities now. But not only are they two separate entities, but some of Parker's worst traits are in Spider-Man. And some of Spider-Man's best traits are in Parker and vice versa. So being split up... Spidey might might not have a moral compass. And what could that mean for the future of Spider-Man? Well, I don't know, actually. I am fairly uncertain what the future of Spider-Man is going to hold. I'm just excited for it. I think this has been... Uh, they've been doing a fantastic job with the book and uh, just doing the very best they can to keep people interested in Spider-Man. It's been the, one of the longest series Marvel has next to the Fantastic Four. I feel like Fantastic Four is like issue 900 or getting close to 1,000 or something there. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just one of those situations where I want to see what comes from this team 20, 30, 50 issues down the road. If they can make it that far together, that's a couple years down the road now. So we'll see. But, you know, Dan Slott did a great job holding on to the role of the writing uh, guy for Spider-Man. So let's see what this team can do. Now, before we get on to this next uh, couple books, before we get out of here, I need to take a quick sip. So before we get out of here, we're going to talk about a couple books, a little bit larger, a lot more story to dive into. This time it's from DC Comics. We've got Doomsday Clocks, issue five and six. We have not covered either of these issues. Uh, it kind of got got away from me, honestly. So issue five is uh, Osmond Dias. He's in the hospital. Uh, he's trying to break out. He tricks the guards. They they let him out. They take him to his cat uh, with his clothes. And, um, you know, it's talking about how Ozymandias attacked Lex Luthor. And then uh, Lois Lane and Superman, who's not as of right now Superman. He's just Clark Kent and Perry White are in the uh, Daily Planet talking and discussing this like possible thing and whatnot and then there's this whole issue with metahumans right they're kind of the butt of the the issues that are happening on this earth uh saturn girl is working with rorschach who's got a legion of superheroes ring they're out on a quest for to do something uh we kind of jump back to the first episode or the first issue uh dr thunder disappearing back in the first issue of this series 
Uh, and we kind of jump back to that time mixed with uh, some more Nathaniel Dusk story here. Uh, so the this old dude, Dr. Thunder, is trying to get to this place, and he wants to take the train. He doesn't have enough money, so they're like, you should probably take the fucking bus, you loser. We jump over to, uh, again, Adrian Vate, which is the Ozymandias, and he's talking to Batman, and Batman saying he's heard all about him. Now we jump to the comedian, and the comedian is essentially uh, trying to track down some people, and the cops show up, and he's like, hey, look, I don't want to hurt you guys. So this goes down one of two ways. Either you guys try to arrest me or some shit, and I'm just going to slit your fucking throats, or two, you didn't see me, and I'm just going to walk off, and they didn't see him, and he walks off. So then we jump to the mime, marionette, and Joker's gang, and they're going to go to the light in the sky to find Batman. Uh, when they go to find Batman, Batman is in Adrian's ship, and they get kind of knocked out of the sky. We do get an appearance from Superman. The old dude, by the way, Johnny Thunder, he's uh, still searching for this uh, lamp of sorts. And these gangbangers are like, oh, we're going to rob from this old dude. He's just the security. And he's like, they're like, he's not security. He's just some old fuck who's lost. Let's fucking rob him. Batman and Vate get knocked out of the sky uh, with Night Owl. It's actually Night Owl's ship. My bad. Uh... And all the while, there's this other storyline going on with Black Adam in Syria where uh, there was, uh, what was his name, Jack Reacher, not Jack Reacher, Jack Ryder, my bad. Uh, yeah, Jack Ryder from Batman, who he was going to get assassinated by these, uh, the King Cobra guys, uh, but he got stopped by Black Adam. Black Adam says, if you're a metahuman, I don't care what affiliation. If you're a metahuman and you want asylum, come here. Come to my place, and I'll grant you asylum. While Night Owl ship is freaking out through the night as the crowds are trying to stop Batman. Batman falls out of the ship, and they're kind of paneling back and forth, back and forth in the classic Watchmen way between two stories. As Batman's falling, the old dude is finding the Green Lantern. Oh, shit. And Batman's trying to get away from the crowd, and dude finds the Green Lantern, but the crowd's grabbing Batman's cape and pulling him down. They start beating the shit out of him and knocking out the light for the bad signal. And the old dude's getting the shit kicked out of him. And boom, this dude gets his fucking arm snapped off by Rorschach, who's whipping that ass. Rorschach and Saturn Girl are coming to save Mr. Thunder, Dr. Thunder, whatever you want to call him, uh, Professor Thunder. They're trying to save him. And, man, oh, also... We're going to get into that in a second. So uh, Rorschach finds the lantern. He goes, what is lantern? You know, and then that's the end of the book. They're so brutal when they do that shit, you know. Uh, then we get to this other book, which was book six of this. Now, this book was much more tragic because this is actually mostly just the backstory of Marionette and Mime. While they're dealing with the Joker throughout, it's going through the backstory of how Marionette lived or Mime lived across the street from Marionette or their parents had like businesses across the street from each other. But there were these like uh, mobsters who demanded money and this guy, the the Geppetto dude that uh, is uh, Marionette's dad was making everybody puppets, but then these dudes were beating the shit out of him, trying to get his money. Uh, all the while that the flashback stuff is happening, there's a big meeting with all the villains. Lots of... Oh, oops, I burped. Sorry. There's a meeting with a lot of the villains, right? And the villains are like, 
talking about who is actually a meta, who's not, who deserves to go with them, who doesn't. They're going to decide if they're going to join Black Adam or not. And Typhoon gets his fucking head blown off by um, by the uh, comedian, as does one of the Court of Owls. Um, Mime is like trying to draw the attention of uh the uh the comedian and like Mr. Freeze's helmet gets shot but he doesn't die and Riddler gets shot in the fucking leg by comedian and Mad Hatter gets punched in the fucking face by comedian and Joker's like oh my god what a perfect day this has turned out to be look at all the awesome chaos and it's again flashing back back boom 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 the parallels between the past and the present and Mime trying to save Marionette and Marionette, it, uh, it's like really dark because Marionette's dad kills himself in the past uh, when she's still a little girl. But then she goes fucking nuts with Mime and they fuck up the dudes that killed her dad. And she's telling him like, look, we have to stick together. The only thing I want is you. You're the only one I've been with that I trust and I don't want this to get fucked up. Like we have to stay together no matter what. And the comedian's coming and I know you want to like... um you know, we've been apart so long and they have like the flashbacks of like uh, her giving birth to his kid and him going to jail and them having sex and whatnot and him being in jail again and then being apart again and together again. And then, uh, you know, he uh, comedian finds them and he goes, thing about you freaks, you don't cover your tracks too well. I only need one of you breathing to tell me where Osmond Dias is. So which one of you is it going to be? Or should I pick? Because Joker zapped him and goes, oh, joy, I like you, too. You make me laugh. I was just, and then Mime says, I was just thinking, I bet the comedian knows where Dr. Manhattan is. Joker goes, Dr. Manhattan, who's that? I could use a good dentist. It hurts when I smile. And then a quote from Charlie Chaplin in the book says, to truly laugh, you must be able to take your pain and play with it. Man, uh... Yeah, there's been a lot of great comics. If I were to rate these four comics that I read, the two issues, five comics, two issues of Spider-Man, Doomsday Clock, and Fantastic Four, honestly, I really love the Fantastic Four storyline, but I'm putting those two Doomsday Clock stories at the top. They're just a notch above the other books. I mean, there's something about the writing style that Jeff Johns has in this storyline that started back in November. I cannot wait to see where it goes, what the future of Doomsday Clock is, where they're going to wrap this story, what's coming. Uh, so I would say Doomsday Clocks 5 and 6 are like 1 and 2 in no particular order because they're kind of like one big story for me. Same thing with the Spideys, but I would put Fantastic Four slightly above the Spider-Man story, mainly because they had such a beautiful way to wrap everything up, bring everything back into a solid zone and uh, get people excited about the Fantastic Four again. Now, next week, uh, Journey to Comics 205, I will be covering some image books. We're going to do Farmhand 1 and 2. We'll talk about Outpost 0, 1, and 2. We're going to catch up on The Walking Dead next week. And uh, maybe The Weatherman 2 will be out as well. But I think that's actually going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics. As always, you can check us out at journeyintocomics.com or on different podcasting platforms, whether it's iTunes, uh, Spotify, my personal favorite, the one I think you guys should be using. 
and this goes for anybody who's listening to this right now, I suggest you use Podbean as your application to listen to the Journey into Comics Network. If nothing more than to experience our network in its truest form, where every episode you're seeing our actual logo, you're seeing the episode, the different shows, uh, different logos, and you're getting the full experience. When you go on iTunes and stuff, it's great. I love the iTunes people that you guys are downloading. We appreciate you iTunes users. Don't get me wrong. Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, all that. We get that. Podbean, though, is just, to me, the best way to experience it because you do get everything. You get the visual. You get the whole nine yards. You can slow your speech down to 5% if you want. You can speed it up if you want. You can do smart silence. So if there's a long period of silence, it cuts the silence out. So it makes things flow a little better. Uh, I overall really, really love Podbean. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, also, go to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash journey into comics for a dollar. You get early access for three bucks. You get early access and exclusive content. That's like stuff like Bruise with Babes, which we will be doing very soon. We talked about it on Gallif Radio, which you guys will be hearing this Friday. Uh, and also, now here's the thing. You're listening to this week's episode, Journey into Comics, and you're like, oh, I heard a bumper for the poor report. Did AP decide to do the poor report next week? No. No, this week, here's the deal. The episode that's going to drop Tuesday is going to be poor news. Get ready for it. I can't wait for episode one of poor news. It's AP bringing you the news just like he did on the poor report, just in a slightly different format. And then the following week, he'll be moving on to poor entertainment and then flip-flopping every week so he can talk about entertainment and news and give us a wide array of things to hear Mr. Andrew Poor discuss. Uh, as I said, that is going to be it for this week of Journey into Comics. This has been Journey into Comics 204, the return of the Fantastic Four. I'm your host, Nate. As always, do yourselves a favor. Open up your ear holes and fill your brains with shit. <laughs>